Hey, before we get started talking GSW Hoops, just wanted to say we have a very exciting episode coming out next week. Uh, we previously did an episode previewing the Joker movie starring Joaquin Phoenix. Well, Jeff Liu and I saw it, and we have some thoughts. Joining us is a familiar voice on the podcast, Mr. Dan Luddy. He is hilarious. He will be joining us to talk this film. So stay tuned. It's an awesome episode, and I think you guys will really enjoy it. And now, GSW Hoops. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for tuning in for another Warrior Wang Bang Wednesday. This is your host, Emil Wang, and I am joined by the Genio James Liao talking GSW hoops. How are you, man? Very good. Um, had a pretty good uh, first game today already. Very happy the season's getting started. Yeah, the NBA season's off to a good start. Uh, unfortunately, not a game by t- any of our marquee franchises, uh, especially with Zion Williamson out. But still, a, still a very good game that went into uh, winning overtime. So the Battle of LA is going on right now, which is uh, a very exciting Clippers team versus a very, very old Laker team that doesn't want to play any defense. It seems so. We will keep and the it. Defense has been not that bad. Yeah, well, they rely on pure Anthony Davis length, essentially, and not, not much else. Else, um, I mean, you can you can be a good defense and you know still struggle against Lou uh, Lou and uh, Montrezl Harrell and, and Kawhi Leonard. So yeah, let's just be honest. Here, yeah, so. that's true, as demonstrated in the uh, 2019 NBA By playoffs. GSW. <laughs> But it is a new season. A new season is upon us, and we are here to talk the 2019 to 2020 Golden State Warriors NBA season. The preseason has ended. The Warriors played a total of five games, four of them against the LA Lakers, which makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, I would like to think that we essentially learned nothing from the preseason because we essentially just played the same team over and over again. But why don't we start there, James? I mean, you had the opportunity to watch a, a, a couple of these games, I believe. So uh, let, let's start with you. What did you see? What did you like? Well, things that I liked were um, not many, but uh, I do like <laughs> a couple of different things. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we don't have Clay's out and, you know, a bunch of new guys and stuff. So um, there's not a whole lot to really like. Wait, you mean watching Andrew Harrison wasn't uh, wasn't the highlight of your NBA preseason? Well, he's also uh, we waved him, right? Yeah, I think we ended up waving yeah. him. Harrison, him and, and, and Scotty Pippen's yeah. uh, nephew, yeah. Yeah, Scott Kev, Kev, what is it, Kevion Pippen or whatever? <laughs> Who cares? I but I think we can start with just the uh, new pickup uh, that we had, and uh, D'Lo being the uh, the biggest one. Um, I, you know, I have watched D'Lo for a pretty long time because you know he was the Laker for a couple of years. Uh, last year was kind of the the first year where I didn't get to watch him as much. Uh, but, you know, I know he had a really good year last year. But, you know, just seeing him in the first couple of years in, in the Lakers and where he is now, um, pretty big difference. But, um, you know, with D'Lo, I think, you know, what I saw in the preseason was kind of what we expected from after his performance, uh, you know, with the Nets last year. He, he's, like, very, very shifty. And uh, even though he's not very athletic, athletic, you know, I think he is still uh, can kind of get to his spots and is a really good decision maker off the pick and roll, a great shooter, uh, you know, all these things we kind of already know. So 
Um, you know, we saw a lot of that in the in the preseason, but also just a bunch of, you know, kind of uh, turnstile defense and, you know, basically a traffic cone out there standing <laughs> around. But, I mean, you know, I think if, if he can improve on that, just show a little more effort and then also, you know, on offense, if you can, we can get him some catch-and-shoot looks or if he can get to the rim a little bit more, draw some fouls. I think those are all key things. But, I mean, hopefully he can, you know, take a, a another step up from last year and improve some from some additional asset uh, aspects of his game. So well, one thing I was hearing is that he doesn't really do a lot of pickup ball during the summertime. So it, 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 the, the speed of the game might be coming back to him. I mean, I, we, we knew he was a shitty defender from what I saw. I, like I knew he was bad, but like, I didn't know he was that bad. He, he was just letting dudes blow by him. Like Quinn cook was torching him off the dribble, which should not be happening. And, we can only hope that as he plays himself back into shape and plays more into the system, uh, hopefully he'll he'll be able to get together, and hopefully the other Warrior players will realize that you know they're going to have to cover for him and come up with schemes of how to cover for him. Because really, I mean, the, the NBA is littered with a bunch of guards that don't play defense, right? It's not like D'Angelo Russell's the first one that's ever. Uh, that, that's ever come into the NBA with an elite offensive talent, but was played off the floor because his defense was so shitty, right? I mean, Steve Nash had a career, and that dude couldn't guard anybody. So, um, I mean, go ahead. At age, I was just going to chime in about how at age 23, where he's at, and then compare that with like Steph at age 23. It's not like Steph saying. was exactly the defender that he is now yeah. um, when he was 23, he was also known as a atrocious defender who is, you know, would at that time, like his third year in the league, you know, basically so, or second or third year in the league, like he was an atrocious defender. And so these are all things that can eventually turn around, but, you know, I just think there's still a lot of improvement and, you know, this year is one where I think hopefully he can improve, but I think we'll see marginal improvement from D'Lo. I just, yeah. I just, I don't know how much better what you, until some of these other aspects uh, improve. What do you think about him pounding the rock as much as he does? Because there, there's been stats out there that says, you know, it, like Steph averages two, three dribbles per possession. I, I, I think like Harden, who was the league leader, was averaging like seven or eight. Um, D'Lo is definitely high up there, which is very, very contrary to how the Warriors play. So what what are your thoughts on that? I mean, he, he's a great pick-and-roll player. I think we saw some good pick-and-roll plays with uh, with Marquise Chris, who we'll get into in a bit. But um, what, what are your thoughts on his style compared to what we've known of the Warriors the past six or seven years? Well, everything, everything is going to be different now, right? So whatever scheme that we ran um, with a bunch of the, you know, um, kind of motion offense and, and, you know, play playing off of, you know, kind of the motion and the flow of the offense. Like a lot of that is going to change. And this is kind of on Kerr to make the adjustments needed uh, based on the personnel because we were able to implement that style because we knew previously that Mark, Mark Jackson did not use that. It was very ISO heavy, very pick and roll heavy. Uh, but, you know, Kerr saw that there was a, uh, potential there with this new playing style um, based on the personnel that he had uh, when he was 
you know, basically interviewing for the job. So I think this is going to be a good year for us to see how Kerr adjusts because you can't have the same expectations of, you know, what we had the last couple of years with all these high IQ players um, moving without the ball, knowing how to make reads and stuff like that, especially on a first year with all these new players. I just don't think it's going to happen. So realistically, you have to result in playing more pick and roll most likely uh, and then trying to do maybe dribble drive you know, rather than, and then, you know, we'll still mix in, I think we'll still mix in a lot of, you know, off-ball stuff for Jordan Poole, Steph, and stuff like that. But ultimately, it's like, this the read and react system that we had um, with the motion offense, I just don't think we're going to see as much of that because I just think the personnel doesn't really allow us to kind of do some of that. Like, I'm not going to expect guys like Jacob Evans and stuff to make the reads that, you know, Iguodala and stuff was able to make. Like, it's just not the same level of player. You yeah. know, not so, the talent, not the um, chemistry that we had before. That De- yeah, definitely like none of that. So I don't have a problem with D'Lo running more pick and rolls. He was really good at. It. He ran a ton last year, so I don't have a problem with him doing that. But um, you know, it's it's got to be a, a a healthy dose of of that and and maybe some some other stuff. Like you know, we can't just be all that, obviously. But yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. Interesting. I don't know um, what you know, how Kerr is going to kind of approach it, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. But in the play, in the preseason, you can already tell that we were running a lot more of a pick and roll. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, on the topic of Jordan Poole, uh, what do you think about our rookies? Start, start with Jordan Poole. So, so Poole, I thought was um, good. He's confident. So I like that. And I think just from watching him in the preseason, you can kind of tell he has the highest upside out of all the young guys that we've uh, kind of brought in in the last couple of the, or in this past draft and like, you know, last couple, like he already has way more upside potential than like Evans um, and, uh, you know, Pascal and stuff like that. I mean, those guys are going to be good, but like, like solid. I mean, but Paul has the potential to be like a legit rotation guy. Like if he can make shots, like he's very confident coming off screens. Uh, he's not super athletic. But um, for whatever reason, like, you know, he was able to get open um, and get these wide open threes. He shot really well the first couple of games until he, that last horrendous shooting game. But again, for a 20-year-old, like, that's expected. You know, you're going to have stretches where you just have terrible shooting. Um, but I like what I saw. I like that he competes on defense even though he's not good. Um, I just like I, – I think he, you know, tries a little bit, which is – it's always a good sign. Uh, but, you know, at 20 years old, I mean, again, not going to expect him to do any sort of damage defensively. But if he can come in and take a couple of threes and make a couple of shots, stay aggressive on offense, I think, you know, I think he can be a, you know, 10 to 12 minute guy for us uh, rotation wise um, to start. And then, you know, if he plays better than maybe even more minutes, 15 to 20, you know. Yeah, so I. I was under the impression that he was lighting it up in the preseason, the way that the media had raved about him. Uh, here is his, here is well, his preseason well. stats. Yeah. Uh, 35% field goal shooting, 33% on threes. So uh, volume shooter, you know, the, the, the big shots will stick out to us, but you know, n- numbers don't lie. 33% for, for a rookie is – it's okay, but he's, he's not – He's not the next coming of Steph Curry. Let's put it that way. Um, 
but well, but yeah, I, of course not. I I agree. I, I am excited about him. I, I do like confidence. Confidence is key, and he he does really get up in there on defense. I think he does have the tools to be a good defender. It's just it's just uh, he needs to grow a little bit. I mean, how old is he? I I think he's, he's twenty. He's twenty, right? Okay, so he still has a little bit of growing yeah. to do. Um, and again, young Steph Curry, not a good defender. Uh, Eric Pascal. Good size, move uh, his feet I, well, playmaker, can't shoot. Yeah, he, he, he is going to be one of those just like um, kind of low low ceiling, but like kind of raises the floor of the bench. So he is, you know, got one of those like NBA size uh, like bodies. But I mean, he's like 22, so he's a little older. But I mean, he's got good size. Uh, he can play both forward positions, I think. So, um you know, it's, I mean, he might be a little slow for the three, but I mean, he can play, definitely play four. Uh, and he's got, you know, really good size, but, you know, he is not going to do too much. So I like that. He is, uh, you know, just going to take the, the open shots that are given to him. He's not going to really force anything. Uh, you'll just get layups and stuff like that. So I like him, but I, you know, it's just, it's going to be one of those guys where it's like, dude, we just need you to plug in um, and put some minutes you know, at the four and stuff like that. So um, he's already probably going to be one of our uh, better defenders, I would guess. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, he just has more versatility on that end and is not a complete train wreck like like Jordan and, and like D'Lo. Um, it's just like, you know, basically it's going to be with Clay out, you know, it's going to be like, you know, Steph, Draymond, Kevon, uh, and then maybe the next guy um, is really Pascal. Like, you know, I don't know if anybody else really can potentially be, uh, you know, have an impact defensively other than Pascal. Like, you know, uh, Collie Stein's not really a defender, you know. He's a terrible shot blocker and, like, not really a rim deterrent. And then Omar Spellman, I, I, you know. Yeah. Tractor trailer. Under 300 pounds now? The two. <laughs> yeah. Is, the... Did he get under 300 pounds or what's the... What's the status? Of him? Uh, I have like, no idea, but he, he he is a he is a tank out there, and he does not look good. Yeah, and then Robinson, like you yeah, know, not yeah, so, really known as a defender. So that that's who I do want to talk about because you know he's come out of uh, training camp slash preseason as the starting small forward on opening night, which is which is horrifying. I mean, he was. I think he has career averages of like four points a game or something. His numbers are very. Yeah, very this is going to be his. This is going to be his biggest role on a team. Yeah, and before before this year, I mean, he he's been on a couple teams. We only know him because he's Big Dog's son, and he won a won a dunk contest, I think. So, uh, not to say <laughs> atrocious con- dunk contest. Yeah, by the way. yeah, yeah. Um, but he. He's been hurt, uh, and that's the only thing I can really give him the benefit of the doubt on. He's been hurt. He is athletic, so he should have the tools to play good defense. I mean, he's got to be part of the reason why we were willing to let Alfonso McKinney go. We'll get into that in a bit. But without seeing Alec Burke, with, with knowing that Jacob Evans cannot play the small forward position, and with knowing that Eric Pascal can only play it for short amounts of time, uh, and also knowing that Clay's not coming back uh, until God knows when, uh, Glenn Robinson must have showed something to, to make the Warriors say, okay, 
that guy will be at least serviceable. Um, it, I mean, he's not going to be any worse than Alfonso McKinney. So uh, right. take that for what that is. But, uh, you know, we, we're not any worse off than what our starting lineup was projected to be at the beginning of the year. So I'm jury's out for Glenn Robinson, the, the second or third or fourth. I forget which, which Glenn third, Robinson yeah. he is. Okay. Um, Glenn Robinson, the third, I, I saw that he was active. I saw that I liked what I saw in offense. Actually, he was he was a dude that was willing to take it to the hole, which the Warriors really haven't had a whole lot of in the past couple of years. Um, granted, you know he he was playing for a roster spot. So I mean, I'm, he wasn't playing for a roster spot, but he was playing himself into relevance. Uh, so that that was good to see. Um, anybody else that you want to talk about before we get into the the Zoe uh, Marquise Chris thing? Um, I'm looking at the list. I mean, really nobody else. Like if Kevon's back, we know what we're getting. So, you know, I'm curious to see if he can stretch out the three point land. Like, um, like Kerr said that we're going to do with him. Collie Stein, like, you know, whenever he's back, um, we know what we're getting. Just, you know, vertical floor spacer. Um, you know, not really a big defender of that guy. Yeah. Burks, I mean, I don't Wild card. I'm not counting on him to be. Yeah, he's a wild card. Like if he can come off the bench and give me ten points on, you know, every couple of games, like I'd be totally cool with that. Hit a couple threes, like you know, you know, get a couple of layups. Like that's it. Like he's gonna be another atrocious defender. Like I can't. I just look at that up and down this roster. And I'm just like, dude, how are we gonna defend anybody on the perimeter? It's crazy. Yeah. Like it's just like, yeah. And then like you know, the last guy we need to talk about was was uh, Evans. You know, oh, yeah. Jacob I mean, Evans, he, he's like, you know. he's the hope that you know he he'll develop into something. He'll get some kind of jumper, which will allow him to be playable uh, on this team. But size wise, he's I want to say six five, maybe. He, he's not that yeah, big of a still dude. Still a little and, too small. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, who's gonna guard LeBron? Who's gonna guard Kawhi Leonard? Who's gonna guard Paul? No, George? that's what I'm saying. This shit is like ridiculous. Like Draymond has to guard all these people. Yeah. Like it's ridiculous. With Clay out, we have no wing defenders. Like this is like absurd. This is like I honestly think you know our path to any sort of like plus five hundred ball is we have to beat every single bad team like yeah. every time. Like we have to win like eighty eighty five percent of all the games against bad teams, and then hope that you can win a couple uh, against good teams, uh, and then. You know, that's enough to get you to, you know, mid-40s. Like, that's really all you're hoping for. It's like, you got to win all the games you're supposed to. Yeah. Like, just got to hope that other teams... Yeah. Yeah, just got to hope that... Got to win those. Yeah, got to win the, the, the shootouts against bad teams and just got to hope that the good teams are load managing uh, and not taking us seriously, which... The reality is, you know, this is their revenge time, you know, especially when we go to their yeah, courts. Like, like... Yeah, they're they're gonna want to they're gonna want to destroy Steph Curry and Draymond Green. So I would not count on a whole lot of load management when it comes to playing against the Warriors. Um, well, let's talk yeah, Alfonso I, McKinney. I uh, let's talk Alfonso McKinney and um and uh, Marquise Chris. So uh, due to the hard cap, which James and I discussed in the last Warrior episode, uh, we have a l- very little 
roster flexibility and because Marquise Chris was so impressive during training camp and he he really was he he filled the stat sheet with points rebounds and assists and apparently wasn't terrible on defense the only person that we could cut to make room for him was Alfonso McKinney Uh, I'm gonna start I, I don't think we lost much by losing Alfonso McKinney you and I were were huge critics of his uh, his play in the NBA Finals. He was a, a big detriment to our defensive schemes. He could not make jump shots. Uh, the only thing he was good for was you know one or two offensive rebounds a game where he got putbacks. But I I don't think we really lose much other than a locker room guy. And and we know Kerr loves his locker room guys. That's why Anderson Vergeau got playing time in. Um, in 2016, and that's why Quinn Cook got as much playing time as he did. Uh, but overall, I mean, do you think that there's a big loss when uh, Alfonso McKinney leaves, other than the the possible no. learning curve that um, you know, Von no. Robson and whoever else plays small forward is going to go through? So that's, I think that's ultimately the, that was the decision that was made by the front office was basically, hey, look, what is the difference? between Zoe and Robinson, not very much. Like, it's negligible difference. So why would we keep Zoe in this case when we're really, really thin on big men? So giving I mean, I would argue we were really Zoe's, thin at, at the three also, but... <laughs> yeah, but, like, what is the... Like, we have even less with Looney, Hurt, Kali Stein out, Omar yeah. Spellman unplayable. Like... Who yeah. else do we have? Smalagic is also hurt. injured. Yeah, Smalagic, whatever, you, you know, is also hurt. Like, holy shit, who are we playing up center? Like, there's a legit chance that Marquise Chris is going to start if Looney's, yeah. like, not healthy on Thursday. Like, Marquise Chris is going to start. If we did not have Marquise Chris, it would be like fucking Omari Spellman starting, and I would be shitting bricks <laughs> if that was the case. Uh, by you the know? way, and uh, I buy think... Him or whatever, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Jeez, guys, freaking eating everything. But put, put, a, put a little the, soy sauce on there. You get what I mean? Like deep the, fry it. Yeah, I get it. The Zoe the scenario was, oh, it's a nice backup to have both Zoe and Robinson. But ultimately, if it meant leaving, cutting Zoe and making room for Marquis Chris, then we were gonna do it. Worth Even it. though I'm not a super big Chris guy, but in this scenario, it makes sense because it's like, look, we just have absolutely no vertical spacing. And no centers. So um, even if you play small Pascal at the five or whatever, no vertical spacing at all, right? So yeah. you having a lob threat off the pick and roll with D'Lo and Steph, like that's huge. So um, I just think having that is way more beneficial in the current situation uh, than keeping Zoe around. But, you know, it's the same thing. He took Zoe's contract, right? Non-guaranteed until mid-January. So another perfect move for us where – we can basically Cut say, it. hey, we'll keep them around. Uh, and then by the time we waive them, the rest of us, uh, you know, if we do decide to waive them, the rest of his contract is not going to count for the cap for the rest of the year. So um, that leaves, gives us a lot of flexibility because now, uh, you know, if Kali Stein comes back, if Looney comes back and everyone's healthy again, we may not need Chris. We can waive them and it'll have very low impact on our salary cap which gives us the potential to sign somebody else, another wing potentially, uh, later on. 
Yeah, and so, a buyout, uh, a prorated move. buyout guy in in March, and that yeah. that's. And John Hollinger wrote this insane article about like how we could we can sign ten gate ten day contract guys, waive them, wait two weeks, and then sign another one or something. It was it was it was pretty complicated, but the the end result was we could potentially get two buyout guys uh, signed March first, and they would be playoff eligible. Uh, Great contract maneuvering. I completely agree. I don't know why Marquise Chris agreed to that, but hey, that that's money in our pocket. I, I did want to uh, also address the age issue because Alfonso McKinney is 27, 20 years old. We know what we're getting. He's hit his ceiling already. Marquise Chris, yeah. for how well he's been traveled in the NBA, is only 23 years old or something like that. He is a young dude. He, I, I remember, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's younger than Eric Pascal, I think. So, yeah, in a year that the Warriors are re quote unquote rebuilding, but also you know trying to win, uh, we should be investing in youth. We should be taking a flyer on guys like this and seeing if we can turn them into some kind of reclamation project. I think about Javale McGee, right? I mean, we basically brought Javale McGee back from, you know, we basically saved him from the G League or playing in China, right? I mean, him playing with Steph and KD really, you know, got him his next contract, which is why he's running around with LeBron James right now. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think I, I think it was a good move, and it was good in terms of philosophically, you know, where the Warriors are going, what's the big picture. Uh, I like the move. I can't guarantee that it, you know, he's going to be great, but. Because we have the flexibility, I am not too concerned about it. Um, I, I, I want to wrap this up since uh, I wanted to keep this episode a little bit short. Uh, talking um, Clay Thompson, uh, Steve Kerr came out today and said he doesn't expect Clay to play this whole season. Uh, later in the day, he kind of backtracked on that. But but what are your thoughts? I mean, do you do you think do you think looking at the roster now and looking how the the rest of the Western Conference and really ultimately the 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 whole league has shaped out. Do you think that, or what under what circumstance do you see Clay actually coming back? Let's put it that way. Um, I think the only chance that he comes back is if we are way ahead of schedule uh, in terms of like wins and we're like in a like. I would say it would have to be like a six or seven seed, like solidly. Um, and then, you know, depending on where he is, like we would even consider bringing him back. But if we're like at the all-star break and like flirting at 500, like, you know, a little sub 500 or right around 500, I mean, I can't even think of any reason why you would rush him back at that point. Like yeah. it's really early to tell right now, but a lot of it is going to depend on how we play. Like, if we come out like really flat and like, you know, by the time the all-star break is and we're completely, you know, just kind of flirting 500 or sub 500, there's no reason. What's the point? You're going to get in as an eight seed, but even that, if you, if you get lucky, you get in at the AC and then what you have a clay that has played 10 games, you know, are you expecting him to play playoff minutes, 38 to 40 minutes a night? It's like, come on. Yeah. Welcome Let's back from your torn ACL. Like, you, know, and you get a guard, Kawhi or LeBron. Have fun with that. <laughs> yeah, like holy shit, you're gonna play like you know either the Clips or the Lakers or like you know, uh, you know, go around and chasing uh, Donovan Mitchell like if it's Jazz or something. It's like Jesus, man. Like, 
Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no very little upside to that. And for what? Like, a potential for you to, you know, get into a series second round with the Lakers and have Anthony Davis, like, basically eat us for lunch? Like, that ain't gonna happen. It, like, you know, I just don't think it's worth it. Like, it's really only worth it if you really legit have a chance of, like, advancing to the second round um, and you know, having a, a potential deep run. And Clay needs to get enough time before even having an impact, too, because the first couple of games, I bet you he's going to get into shape, so it's got to be 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and it's got to go a couple of weeks before he can kind of work back into game shape, let alone playoff shape. Jesus, like, I just, I just don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't see him coming back, and even if we were the sixth or seventh seed, it he would need to be able to come back with 20 games left in the season and get into the whole. Yeah. But, but he would need, you know, 20 games. I'd say the first 10, he'd be coming off the bench and just kind of slowly working his way up. And then the last five games, he he would need to be able to show that he can play a hundred percent effectively at 38, 39 minutes a game. I don't see that happening. I don't see it worth it. Really. We're, we're investing for next year when we can use, uh, when we can kind of run it back with these same guys when they're all healthy, and then also use that seventeen million dollar trade exception. Uh, if we're able to get a good player off of that, you know, we've just retooled ourselves to be a a uh, a favorite out of the West, since you know LeBron will be a year older, Anthony Davis will be a year more injured, uh, and you know Kawhi and Paul George, who knows what's going to happen with them. So. I, I completely agree. I don't expect to see Clay Thompson back this year, and I don't see the Warriors as a very good team this year. I, I say they're a 500 team, which I'll be okay with, and so will the people selling tickets out of the Chase Center. Yeah, I mean, 500 is probably um, right around um, where I would have, you know, if there was a chance of Clay coming back, you know, our initial thought was probably around 44 to 45 wins. Initially, if, if Clay was going to come back and, you know, play a little bit, then I can see us racking up a couple extra wins. But, you know, with, if he's not going to play, I would say we're right in the low 40s. Like, you know, 41 to, to you know, 43 wins is probably more likely for uh, for us, which is crazy given the opening line was 48 and a half on GSW, which, you know, mm. boy, we really shouldn't have waited on that. <laughs> Yeah, we shouldn't have. Um, oh, well, whatever. You win some and you lose some, and sometimes you don't do anything, which means you didn't either. Good. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> what? Very, uh, that, that's some philosophy that for all of us. That is really like, deep shit, dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Philosophy to go to sleep, too. That, that, should, that should be on a pillow that you put on your couch. Um, James, been fun. I, I can't wait for Thursday, man. Regardless of how how low hopes we have for this NBA season, uh, this season should be fun. And and James, uh, stay off Twitter because I know you're going to say bad things about China. China. Ah, it's a great-